$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Much love to Christopher Platt. We have a... Great, great show in front of you today. The dogs agree. That's right. We are going to talk more Doom Patrol. We have the season two premiere of Lock and Key from Netflix. Great episode to kick things off. Very, very excited to talk about that. And then we're going to get to it's an interesting day. We're going to do a quick visit to the trailer park. A couple of uh, 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 only a few trailers, only three trailers, though. One kind of big one one that pc tunny the live studio audience brought to the table and then one that comment came out actually a couple of weeks ago but uh, hasn't hit theaters yet and i figure is worth a time to talk about before we get into news around the nerdosphere which this week will be a hodgepodge i mentioned the live studio audience that's right pc tunny is here and happy to be here yeah, thank you thank you 75 this morning thank you The lawyer, David Ungar, is here. Greetings and salutations, as Mr. Say. Oh, yeah. Look at you go. You get to use that. You're his consigliere. That's true. I I, I mean, I still please and thank you, thank you, and please on occasion as well. So, I mean, 
I'm just I'm just out there as you know usual oppressing my good friends, and of course, uh, or actually not of course, unfortunately, sadly, we are short the Reverend Ray Cash this week. I know. And I hear you the last song. Ray is, Ray is repainting the parking lot lines uh, of his local Walmart as he won a raffle there to be able to do so. It's kind of a Tom Sawyer, Huck, Th- Huck Finn kind of thing. Yes, Ray. They made it look fun. I mean, hey, come on. Help me cut this grass. Paint this fence. That is that is true, but um, yeah, Ray, life got in the way this week, so Ray is not going to be with us. Unfortunately, we will miss you, Ray, even if the live studio audience does not. <laughs> and don't think they've forgotten about you, Ray Cash. They know what to do when we say your name. <laughs> Disliked. Even in his absence. No love for men of the cloth here. No love for men of the cloth. Uh, Hey, guys, I wanted to go back to a conversation we had at the end of last week's show. And I did Patrick O'Dowd has a question because I have I've started something and I didn't realize what I started when when I did this. If you all recall, during Patrick O'Dowd's question, I asked you guys to tell me about your favorite Treehouse of Horror sketches which was very, very difficult for, for one PC Tunney because he's watched The Simpsons as much as I have, and so we had so many to go through. Dave and Ray were a little a little bit more selective um, in their viewings. However, the reason that question came to pass was because I had introduced The Little O'Dowd to Treehouse of Horror. The Little O'Dowd, in less than two weeks, watched all... 32 available Treehouse of Horror episodes on Disney Plus and the extra Halloween episode that is in a random season that is like a true Halloween episode before Treehouse of Horror. Let me Go tell ahead. you, I haven't watched this year's yet. I'm saving it for Halloween night. That's that is excellent. I didn't know this was going to become a thing. And so wish that because they're on season 33, right? Or is yeah. 32? Yeah. It's it's there somewhere. It's been a long time. I remember I remember being, what is it, seven or eight years old watching the first one on Tracy Allman show. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely thirty-two or there's definitely thirty-two seasons and only thirty-one Treehouse of Horror episodes because there wasn't one in season one. However, all of that is to say I created a monster because the little O'Dowd then decided that we will watch every episode of the simpsons starting with season one episode one did you do that yet we have started we started he's on episode 10 or 11 he's actually watching an episode right now as we record what are his thoughts on old homer versus angry homer versus goofy homer have you talked about that yet because he had to notice right away the difference between homer you know in the seasons, you know, 15, 16, 27, 28, as opposed to the first season, even the second, you know, we haven't, we haven't really explored that yet. He's been more, he's been more of a Bart guy because he's nine. So I do think it's interesting. You know, if you talk about the evolution of that show, how it went from a Bart centric show to it's very much a Homer centric show. 
and and without question and i don't even remember when that flip happened but i remember the marketing was all about bart simpson for the longest time he had the halloween or the um, thanksgiving holiday parade float for a while the don't have a cowman shirt like that was all it was about and then it flipped yeah yeah so, it was it, it totally did you're absolutely right and so now anytime in the o'dowd household that there is downtime the little o'dowd is like simpsons and so I'm going to be watching The Simpsons for, like, the rest of my life because there's could a lot be worse. Of could be worse. When he becomes no. a teenager, then you can introduce him to Family Guy. I, I hate that show. Oh. Have we, we haven't That's talked about how much I hate The Family Guy, do we? And I, yeah, I think it's an overrated show. I think it's – I don't know. I don't like it. Anyway, we can have that fight another day. Ranks right up there okay. with my dislike of The Office and Seinfeld. Um, K. Don't like K. Super K. Super yeah. K. And your dislike K. of Scrubs, Tony. It's kind of in that whole, yeah, fuck that scrubs. whole thing. Yeah, you take that, Patrick. This is bullshit. All three of those shows are like my three favorite shows ever. Well, now that you've blasphemed Scrubs, I think it's fair that we just move in and hand this over to Dave to give us some Doom Patrol hey. music and yeah. talk about Bird Patrol. Dave, hit it. Tony, after watching episode seven of Doom Patrol, hold on, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Twitter here because I, I like to quote people. Bandwagon nerds chat. Where's he? Tony got to roll up a little bit because Ray Cash was very very busy, and then there's news, and then yeah, Bob, he, ah, here it was. PC Tony, after watching, first of all, now playing. Bird Patrol, dot, dot, dot. Up next, Lock and Key, Season 2, Episode 1. We get a little bit of that all of a sudden. Okay, what the, in capital letters, fuck was that? To which my response was, you didn't see birds. And you were like, yeah. oh yeah, thanks, got it. Um, I just love clear, when clear Doom Patrol right up, man. Out. Yeah, Doom Patrol pulls out the weird. And, and it was such an interesting episode because... All of the threads that the rest of the characters have been like working on get pulled away from them, like in the middle of them working out their 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 deal to be summoned by the Sisterhood of Dada, where we kind of learned it was Rita Farr all along. Uh, and time loop questions notwithstanding, um, the the great I always forget what the name of that what's the name of that process, Dave? You probably remember it. Which one? The Sisterhood of Dada is great, like whatever that. Oh, their the ceremony. eternal flagellation. flagellation. Yeah, yeah the, not the, the eternal point. flagellation as uh, as Cliff seems to think it is. As the eternal flagellation begins, and we learn that Rita plays a big part of unleashing it on everyone, uh, and yet 
does anybody have any idea what's going Tony, you got any ideas about whatever Patrick is going to say there? Yeah, I don't know. Um, there he is. There he is. Ask, ask, does anybody have any idea about what, Patrick? Does anybody have any idea what the hell that we really saw there as we see like the rebirth, reincarnation of birdcage guy hatching Malcolm? from an egg out of a cage? Yeah, Malcolm. I don't Malcolm. Malcolm yes, Marcus, Malcolm. one of those M names. Well, and then the thing was, is uh, Laura was supposed to do it, but Rita did it. So does that mean something different happened? I mean, if Laura would have done it, would it have been one person or, you know, so many fucking questions. We haven't even got to what happened to some of the other characters so this week, too. But, yeah, this right. is just fucking insane. I mean, it. Yeah, I love the fact. <laughs> I love the fact that they're all in a separate dimension doing the dance together, like just having a good old time, you know, Oh, is this the worst of the flagellation? And Oh no, Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, I love the show, but this season has been really off the rails so far. It's like, wow. What is it? I'm digging it. I guess still. How about Uh, you? Yeah, I I am. It's, and I'm sure they're going to bring it all together, but it is really out there this year. I mean, the biggest part of this episode to me was, we finally found out where Laura kind of went off the rails and where she goes from being Laura to Mill to Madame Rouge and kind of the motivations as to why she ends up being the <laughs> the mark of the, you know, the target of the sisterhood of Dada later on where she goes from best friends to, you know, she's responsible for a lot of this shit that that for went wrong with them huh? for, for weaponizing, for weaponizing, yes. them, but yeah. Yeah. for for betraying them. Right. And and that's the thing is they've really done, I think, a pretty adept job of showing that, you know, Lord DeMille was sinister, yet also as an audience, I think you can you can feel for her a little bit because she feels trapped in stock. And, you know, she has that moment with the officer in the cafeteria that then prompts the betrayal. She's manipulated because, big time. Yes. Uh, and felt like she was forced and, and she she truly you you do learn that she remembers by the time we get to the to the to the park or wherever the the forest wherever that's happening um and again it it becomes rita pulling the strings yeah it it, it is it's rita pulling the strings it's it's motivated by you know the death of god what is his name malcolm or marcus i don't really know i'm pretty sure it's malcolm yeah i mean that's a big motivation for rita is some sort of retribution for malcolm we also learned that it was malcolm who was the disfigured guy in the afterlife um you know and, and that that gets that gets solved okay that's where she knows him from so yeah i i mean it's it, it, yeah rita this season has been very rita centric and, and everybody else is kind of bit players but i gotta tell you pat my my wife popped for the whole parasite thing where we talked about it last week well what do you do when a parasite comes out of your mouth he says give it a name and my wife lost it for that you know? <laughs> yeah that was and uh, you know what's funny as i was worried that that would be lost on me like the second time around and yet it wasn't i was like oh no i still find it funny uh <laughs> thanks you guys know, you talk you talk about it being rita centric but she was the one picked by niles to you know, take the key and, and carry the cross and the banner, right? Like she was picked to be oh, the absolutely. leader of this group. So, I mean, I think that kind of sparked her into trying to figure out who and what she really was, because now if you look at it, she just kind of has twice 
uh, washed her memory from time travel, right? And had to start over again. Yeah, it's, you know, we still love Rita, right? Sure. I mean, listen, listen, yeah, absolutely. listen. April, April Bixby can call me at any time of the night. Let me tell you, I've been a huge yeah. fan of hers April back Bal- since she did like April a guest ball. Bullsby, Bullsby, sorry. Bullsby. They can My both bad. call you. I, that was, huh? that was, oh, fucking, I guess so. We'll find out about the other one. I'll let you know. But back even when she did, uh, she did an uh, episode or two of Two and a Half Men back in the day. You could tell she was just a very attractive woman. Absolutely. So. We don't know. I can't wait to see where this all leads come next week in terms of, you know, these bird things are flying into people and what does it do to them? But we had a bunch of other threads that we were that that the rest of the group was sort of sorting out. Like Dave talked about the parasite that he left in the forest and got pulled away from. Cyborg was in the midst of going forward with his whole operation for a synthetic skin had outreach to his girl. Uh, and I'm going to forget her name Ronnie. again, because that's what I do Ronnie. on the show. Ronnie. Ronnie um, and talked to her for a little bit. And she was trying to talk him out of doing it before he gets pulled away. You have Cliff trying so hard and still fucking up. He tries so hard. He, and bless his heart. How were you with me, guys? Did you think he was going to go on and fucking waste all kinds of money with his daughter's credit card? Absolutely. Were you there? Because I thought for I thought it, for sure I'm not sure he did. I'm not sure he didn't because how much no. time elapsed there and it's sitting there on the counter. He, I don't think he did. I hope not. I think he was. I think everything he was doing around the house was an effort to keep himself from doing that because he has a spending addiction online and yeah i think he was just doing everything he could to avoid it hence why he nearly burned the house down warming up the baby's milk we got a big revelation about jane and how the underworld works and the motivations going on there that a lot of the underworld characters are not motivated uh, by what's best for k anymore but by what's best for them and you got that disclosed not that you couldn't see it coming but I was going to say, I might have said that last week, but, you know, I wasn't going to brag. You know. You should. You were right. Smart thing. Though, it was interesting because I will say I was wrong in that I thought Jane knew what they were up to. Uh, In the previous episode, it seemed like their confrontation was, um, you know, I'm trying to talk. I I can't handle those sorts of distractions. (laughs) Uh, She's got to read for it. She was ready for it. Um, but Jane, she I thought she knew what the, the motivation of the other personalities were. This time they they if if she didn't know, they hammered her over the head with it, um, with this whole they don't want to go away. And so find a way to hurt the immature K uh and make her to where she doesn't want to go back to the surface even if that's what's best for the little girl. So the personalities have rebelled, which I would be very interested to understand a study of like multiple person, you know, dissociative disorder and sort of this idea of these various personalities and and whether this is just a comic book crazy, or if this is something that might have some actual background to it. 
Well, I think I kind of touched on it before. I like where you're going to know what the actual science behind it is with, with, with this kind of disorder, but we're getting to the point where these other personalities are realizing that if, you know, like we said, if Jane has her way and Kay gets better, they're going to start to disappear. So now they've bonded together, right? We had that whole scene where she was confronted. So I, I would love to see, like I said, I'll say it last week. I'll say it again. I would love to see a large majority of these non consistent, you know, uh, attention getting personalities go away and let's leave it with Jane and, you know, three or four others and have a little bit more of a selective and more intense in depth battle between a, just a few personalities as opposed to what, how many of many we got in there, a whole NCAA tournament, Dave, I think. There's 64 at least, but I loved how, um, when, when Cliff is explaining to Jane, how he sold all of this shit, uh, <laughs> Jane gets pissed off, turns into flit and transport teleports him to his daughters and say, here, you can go deal with it, deal with this shit for a while. Uh, that was, that was great. I, there, there's still, there's so much good going on with the show, even if it's just completely bonkers at times. And, and yeah, like you were mentioning cyborg, Man, the eternal flagellation rescued him from making a colossal mistake. And and even the doctor, the doctor who's there, he's talking about, yeah, we can do this, but I don't really think it should be done. Um, but he's just dead set on, in his mind, this is what his mom wanted for him. And this is how he gets normal. Normal, air quoting normal. Uh, but yeah, I think there's more to that. We've got three episodes left to sort it out. They're going to survive the sisterhood of Dada. And then I think we're going to have at least one episode, maybe two managing the aftermath. And I, I'd be willing to bet the specter of Niles Calder appears before we get to that 10th episode. I, and I think that's going to do it for Doom Patrol this week. Cause we really, I think next week we got, we got to return. We got to uh, react to the eternal to the eternal flagellation yeah there's that's that's our next step there's like last week when we talked fandom the one thing we didn't get into in too much detail was season four has been confirmed for this show so the prospects of them leaving us with a cliffhanger increase exponentially um so we'll see what they do in the next three episodes but yeah you got to figure niles and and, uh, dorothy are coming back in some fashion Last thing I want to ask you guys, and I'm not sure if I wasn't paying attention or not, but do we think that the parasite caterpillar thing is still um, a spirit? Because I kind of do. I hope so. He th- he but, certainly thinks so. Um, well, I mean, he created a peanut butter jelly sandwich, left it a water bottle, and a and a scarf. I mean, that was like, like what's, what's that? so great because Larry back. he starts off just like I'm going to abandon this stupid thing in the in the woods, and then he keeps going back to take care of it, like it's part of yeah. him. He's being maternalistic with it, so who knows what? Because it, it is. wasn't a parasite, he gave birth to it, and so I think it gives credence to your theory, Tony. And. Did either of you think that maybe it was a parasite because Jane was about to barf up the same thing and then she ended up barfing up a flagellation flag? Remember I, that? And then she grabbed it and started pulling it like a scarf. I'm like, okay, I really thought she was having a parasite too. I thought maybe that was it. Oh gosh. Well, only one parasite, and I'm sure that is going to come back to roost next week. But we've got another show to cover, guys, before we go into our first commercial break. And it is the first time that we get to bust this theme back out this year.
And just like that, we are into season two of Lock and Key. Now, I know some of you Netflix fans out there saw Lock and Key season two debut in total on Netflix like they do and watched every single episode. Well, here on the bandwagon, we like to give each episode its undivided attention, its deserved attention. And so we're going to cover them one episode at a time until we get to episode 10, just in time to toss our coins to the Witcher. That's going to be a good, good run for us. And just guys, I got to tell you, I, I know, I know some of the some of you out there names Dave and Ray are really like we must cover every Marvel Cinematic show on the show. I'm kind of okay with a break from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the television realm um, and to get back to some of these shows that we've covered previously. I'm very excited to do that. Um, thank God for three minute recaps because I'd forgotten so much about yep. this show and I freaked out. Because you know how when you load up the show on Netflix, that, that it highlights automatically skip recap or skip intro? I thought it was just the intro, and I hit it, and I was like, no! And then the recap went away, and it went right into the episode, and I couldn't bring the... I was like, okay, I'll just rewind it to get back to the recap. No, because they made the recap. It's a little three-minute thing. So, like, I had to exit the episode go back into the menu. It's at the very bottom of the episode list. It's like the very last option. So I picked up, you know, and got my got my three-minute recap to kind of get my brain back where it was supposed to be. Then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to skip the opening credits. And it wouldn't let me skip the intro on episode one. And I went, what the fuck, Netflix? May gave me an option to skip the recap. He won't give me an option to skip the cra- the intro. Like, what's what's happening here? What's happening? What's happening here is that Dodge slash Echo has a new best friend in the body of one Eden Hawkins, and we got some demons running amok already, making new keys. We haven't even managed the old keys. We got new keys. Uncool. Also, Eden ate a dude. And that was that was a little messed up. Yeah, I um, I gotta say I can't believe how much I missed this show until it started again, <laughs> and it just it, it had been so long since we stopped talking about it. I mean, what early last when? Well, not yeah, sometime in twenty twenty we stopped talking about it. But man, what yeah, a, like yeah, what a great episode though. I mean, just to kick this thing back off. I, I mean, and yeah, you forgot about the whole Scott Kinsey Gabe dynamic. And then they quickly bring you back in on that whole thing. And, and you just, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't recognize Eden at first. And then, it, you know, it's like, well, she doesn't look quite the same as season one. But, oh, that's definitely a, a variation of her. But I, I thought the, you know, the big thing is the concept of what what came to the forefront immediately in season two, the first episode, this concept of at what point in your life do you forget magic? And that's a big thing going on now with Tyler and his girlfriend, because she is a few weeks away from turning 18. She doesn't remember what the keys are. Um, and their mother, of course, doesn't remember what the keys are. And now Tyler's kind of feeling under the gun as to, shit, how much longer do I have before I forget what's going on? Well, don't forget, they made Nina forget. No, they didn't. The alcohol her. made her remember. They just made her stop drinking. Uh, that's what it was. 
I was like, I know there was a reason why she doesn't remember stuff, but she does remember stuff. Like it's always hazy and fuzzy. It was there was a reason why she remembered stuff, not why she doesn't remember stuff. She doesn't remember stuff because she's old and that's the way it works. She remembered it because she became an alcoholic and was constantly fucked up and that's how she would remember. Got you. Um you talked about the love triangle with with Gabe, who is a made up person. Um, and it is really Dodge slash Echo. Um, I, I gotta tell you, uh, Tyler just is, is, is the most boring character to me. Like, I don't care about Tyler at all. Like, I'm like, you're, you're dumb. You don't listen to your little brother. But by the way, I'm glad we brought that trope back where Bodhi says, Hey, this might be important. And the older siblings are like, no. Yeah. Bodhi's been the smartest one the whole time. He's We're gonna patch on the head. Bo- Bodhi finds a giant skull and says, "Hey, we should worry about this." You know what? You should worry about it because Bodhi's right. There's giant rats somewhere. They're gonna show up. Rats in the corn. They're gonna be there. I don't know where, but they're gonna show up. Yeah. I, well, I, I, go ahead, Tony. I I love that we got a uh, made. They made a key, so we see that that can happen, right? But that's a demon key. What kind of different powers is that gonna have? Um, no idea. he found the Hercules key and he's wearing the, the strongman belt. And I think that's pretty fucking awesome. You know, all he had to do is tilt that couch about 45 what? degrees. And for, you get the, here, listen, you've t- you get the first arm out and then you can bring it through and L it out the other side. So, you know, Makes you didn't have to destroy the room. Where Ross is trying to get the damn, so, uh, damn sofa up the, up the stairs. Pivot. 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 Uh, I'm looking forward to other keys we're going to get. I, I like how Tyler's girlfriend, um, what's her name? Uh, Jackie. Zelina. Jackie. Jackie. Zelina Vega. Vega. Queen Zelina. Zelina. <laughs> um, she, she, uh, she was down to use the keys, right? Right before she forgot about the keys. So, you know, they, they threw some books in, in the head key, and so she learned that quick. Um, but I'm interested to see what other keys we're going to find and then especially how this relationship with Kinsey and Gabe is going to go. And, and obviously with uh, Dodge and um, I guess, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, Eden. Eden. Eden is a demon now because she got hit by that. Uh, and they used that extra pebble to make that key. So that was interesting. Right. Um, yeah. The, la- the last thing I, I had one more thing. I can't remember what it was, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm very impressed by the first episode. Can't wait yeah. uh, to see where they're going what this year. You- Obviously it's all about Tyler losing his remembrance of the keys. Oh yeah. Kinsey. Um, she's 19. So I can say this, but man, them stems got nice and long. <laughs> what? Stacy Keebler. What do we make of the little origin story of the portal that we got to open the episode from 1774 or five, whenever it was? Um, and was that revolutionary war soldier hit by Dodge slash Echo, or do we think it's someone else? Does he come back? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, the opening scene I thought was important because they opened the portal. Um, but there's, 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 there's no door on the there's portal. No door, there's no yeah. door. So who put the door there? Somebody puts a door there at some point in time to keep people from getting into this space, which is, I mean, it's a portal to some dark dimension. That's for sure. Because if you get struck by these projectiles, you become demonic. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I figure it's got to 
it's got to convey some sort of immortality. We don't know how old Dodge is. You presume centuries at least. Well, is is that Dodge? That's that's what I'm asking. Is like is that Dodge? Like will we like see? That's what they were kind of hinting at. But Maybe. But if getting hit by that makes you a demon, how long until you become an echo? Because Dodge clearly stated to Eden that you can die. die. I can't die. die. I'm an echo. You can die. You're just a demon. Like over time, you turn into an echo. Is that what the well was about? You know, I don't know. I don't know what the myth. Like there's some mythology that I don't think that they've revealed to us yet. I'm okay with that. Which is fine. Yeah, some mystery around it. Because yeah, there is a distinction between Dodge slash Echo and uh, and Eden, who cannot can die, and also has some serious impulse control because she hasn't been on Earth <laughs> and, and is having some issues. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I wonder how much longer it'll be before the game is given up with Gabe. Uh, I was a little disappointed that one of the um, I, I, I'm not disappointed, but the other thing that's that's interesting is that, you know, Echo slash Kinsey slash, or Echo slash Gabe slash Dodge thinks that she has Kinsey all wrapped around her finger, but it is very clear that Scott is still number one to Kinsey. And I think that's going to come to come into play as we come later, as we get later on, as she can't get the boy out of her head. And, and I think he's going to save her. In some way, there's only one. There's only one T in that Scott, by the way. But uh, yep. do you guys think there's more to Uncle Duncan than meets the eye? Yes, I, I. That's why I question whether or not it's you reach a certain age and, and you forget I, about it because I think he it, remembers. I think his fiance has something to do with it too. I kind of got that. Like you're buttering. I. I don't get the fact that I, I didn't think he was buttering up the mom, um, his sis, his sis, future sister-in-law as part of like a family knowing, I thought it was more of like, I'm trying to become, uh, you know, unsuspicious here, you know, and kind of stealthily sneak in under the radar. And what's the deal with wanting to have the wedding at key house? You know, nothing ever goes wrong with ritualistic ceremonies at haunted sites. Right. Yeah. 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 Hey Patrick, what's the deal with wanting to have the wedding at the key house? I was going to make that joke, but you beat me to it. Dave, just to be clear, that house is not haunted. It's magic. Um, and on a portal to a demonic dimension where you get shot by magic yeah, weird bullets. But haunted implies like spirits, like, you know, Indian burial ground business and stuff like that. None of that's going on. It's like magic to me. Magic, not haunted. That's all I'm saying. All right. Semantics. Good magic, bad magic, dark magic. We got a long way to go. I think if I saw correctly, we've got 10 episodes of Lock and Key. So we got nine episodes to go with a lot more to talk about. We're going to go ahead and end episode one here and take our first commercial break. When we come back in one minute and 16 seconds, we're going to take a little visit to the trailer park. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. 
Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $9.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chair shot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chair shot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right. We are back. Back and as I promised, gentlemen, we are going to get excited with the dogs. The dogs are happy to be here. To hey, hey there, kiddos! But we are going to take a little visit to the trailer park, and if we're going to visit the trailer park, that means we have to get Dave to cue up some music. So, Dave, if you wouldn't mind. Excellent. Dog approved. And gentlemen, we're only going to talk about three trailers this week here in the park. But the first one that we're going to talk about, I want to I want to congratulate first time ever contributor to the trailer park. One Mr. PC Tunney, who in our chat yesterday was like, hey, this looks really good. I think I'm going to check it out. And so I, I clicked on, on the trailer for a show debuting on Netflix. I'm not even sure when it debuted called Inside Job. And I, it's funny. I went to like IMDb this thing. You're going to hear me type. I'm sorry there, everybody. There it is. Because I wanted to know who it's, a, it's an animated series. And I wanted to know who the voice cast was. So looking because that's really where I like to start. And so. Seeing the names, the likes of Lizzie Kaplan and Christian Slater, I'm in. But, Tony, you found this show. Why don't you tell us what it is that appealed to you about this wacky secret government agency responsible for, I guess, maintaining urban legends, government secret? I don't I don't I, I kind of I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued as to what's going to happen here. It's kind of a spoof on all the government conspiracy theorists and all their theories over the years actually being real and the government having to maintain the uh, lack of believability that is by the general public as opposed to the few that think, you know, there's a Loch Ness Monster, there's a Bigfoot, there's a a Sasquatch, you know, uh, 
there's they're they're quite they're very Roswell may very well be a lot more than we thought you know it actually is what it is uh, but other things like that right and then there's this whole team of people underground government that are trying to do this and the president is is going to be a robotic president now and uh there's a I think she's a scientist or something like that who's running this all yes. behind the scenes and trying to keep her father under control who did he used to be the president or was he some bigger higher I up in the he used to I, run the organization I, that she he used to run the organization yeah. that's what and so, I, I got a big kick that's that guy that's the guy who's voiced by Christian Slater by the way oh and that's amazing character because this is the guy who goes around and is is just like you, you don't believe him because he smells like booze and looks like a homeless guy and is the chicken little shouting the you know the end is near with the sign and nothing's happening. But everything you think he's saying is probably right. So it, I think it's a really intellectual comedy that I think I'm personally definitely going to enjoy, especially from seeing the 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 preview there. I can't wait to see the character development here as well with some of the tertiary characters outside of the father daughter relationship. Ron Funches voices the Mothman in he's that awesome. in that skit too. And he's like, hello everyone, I'm Mothman. <laughs> he's like the human resources guy or something. It's just bizarre. There's all there's all kinds of wackadoodle stuff out the, there. Hey, oh go ahead. The weather's controlled by bloodletting. <laughs> right. Right. Dave, what were your thoughts on the trailer for Inside Job and are you in on watching the show? No, we will not cover it on Bandwagon Nerds. My thoughts are it didn't appear on the rundown, so I didn't watch it. No, I, uh, I did. Really, dude? Really? You're going to steal Tony's moment? Yeah. No, I, I, I just, I wasn't on the rundown, so I forgot that you said, yeah, we're going to cover it. I just kind of watched it right now. But I, call, call me, call me Ray boo Cash. Him. Call me Ray uh, Cash. Don't boo him. Don't boo him. Uh, Probably hasn't even watched Flash Gordon. I, well, I've watched it 37 times, unlike one Raymond Cash. But 37? 37. <laughs> uh, I, I just watched the trailer. I didn't hear what was going on, but Tunney's explanation makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're telling me it's a story about conspiracies that are real and they're all real, then, yeah, that's got my interest immediately just to see how how crazy and off the wall it can be. But you're talking about guys introducing themselves as a mothman and and that sounds uh, that sounds extraordinarily fun. So I, you know, yeah, I know we're not going to be covering it on the show and God knows there's a hundred thousand other things to watch at the same time. But sure, if Tony says it's good, it probably is. So he doesn't make I mean, choices. You might, you might as well have just said K with, with that kind of response, man. A, a very lukewarm response. I thought you'd be more excited for this. I don't know. K, there you go. Feel better now. I do. I do. I feel a little bit better. Okay. Well, let's move on then to, yes, there you go. You saw what I did there. Let's move on to our second trailer and one that I actually want to talk about a a kind of a bigger subject when we talk about it. A couple of weeks ago, a trailer dropped for the newest, I, it's like a, it's a sequel, but it's almost like a reboot of the Scream franchise. Uh, it's titled Scream, just like the original. It has the the core three members of the cast from the original film, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette. But it's Ghostface killing another generation of teenagers connected to the original cast. 
Before we get into what we thought of this trailer, thoughts on the Scream franchise in general. I, I always thought the original Scream was terrific as a slasher film that is highly intelligent, doesn't take itself too seriously, mocks its own tropes while still following them in telling a good and compelling story. Did What were your guys' feelings about the Scream franchise back in the day? Dave, why don't we start with you this time? Uh, I think I, I watched like the first one and then have only caught parts of the other ones. Um, it, it's um it's a unique franchise in that it, it, it pokes fun at the whole genre of horror movies while at the same time being horrifying. So that's a neat trick to pull off. Um, I've always I've always found the series to be very um, um, intelligent, I guess would be the best way, best word to describe it, the way they they approach things and just kind of the way they they spin things on their head a little bit. And, 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 it, and it's, you know, you can't say anything else about it other than that the longevity and the popularity of the franchise speaks volumes for what Scream is all about. And now here you are. I don't know when the first one came out somewhere in the nineties, I'm guessing late nineties. Um, yeah. And now here you are 20 some years later. It's, it's spawned a TV series that I understand is very good and it's still very relevant. And yeah, now you've got this merging of old and new kind of coming in together for this brand new. It's not a reboot. It's, I guess it's a sequel is the best way I'm, I, I can. So, yeah. It out. Sort of, yeah. Um, and not even not not just that it spawned all these sequels and TV series. I mean, the scary movie franchise of parody or that. I mean, that's straight after Scream. Like, and, and use that whole use that whole uh, genre as well. Uh, by the way, Scary Movie One, Loki, one of the the best parody comedies I've ever seen in my life. Every Scary Movie after that, not good at all. Tony. Your thoughts on the Scream franchise, and why don't you take us into your thoughts on the trailer? Uh, how uh, how many were there? Uh, was wasn't there were more than one Scream, right? There's like five or six. There's a lot. Um, give me a second, I'll IMDb it. So I feel like yeah, we're we're just continuing this. I think this is obviously there's going to be another one with the same character. I think here. I mean, unless they get killed and this is just something they're doing once, but there's money to be made here. There's a whole new generation for it. It's just, it looks like it's Nev Campbell's daughter. If I'm not mistaken. Who's the one that initially gets uh, attacked and gets away. So I, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm going to watch it because it's been a while. Um, yeah. The first one's really good. Uh, the scary movie. First one's really good as well. So it's that part of of horror I don't necessarily mind too much, although it's not necessarily a horror movie. It's just kind of the concept they're using uh, to tell the story and and have some comedy along the way. Right there, there. This will be the fifth Scream movie, actually. In the okay, first, so screen, there were four. Yeah, the first Scream debuted in 1996, again, which was like a love letter to horror movies while being a horror movie. Uh, and Wes Craven is just always very tongue in cheek with the way that he does his horror films anyway nightmare on elm street is very much you know scary but funny at the same time he has this interesting sense of humor about it but i've noticed this this is the second sort of film that i've seen come out in the last you know five years where we're we're continuing this this franchise after a long and i guess halloween doesn't count maybe because it just seems like it's always perpetually had some like Rob Zombie's made Halloween movies, though they weren't really part of the Halloween canon. But then this last little spate 
where we've had was it Halloween um, and Halloween Kills, the 2018 and this 2021 um, additions to what seemed to be a sequel to the second Halloween film. If we're really looking at sort of the whole spate of things, because we're keeping Jamie Lee Curtis, though she came back for other one, other other Halloween movies as well. What is is American Horror just tapped for ideas, and that's where we are now? Is because I, I really what what's good creative horror coming out of the United States? Because I don't I don't know that there is, and it American seems like horror this is the trend. American oh, Horror Story. Maybe. I'm just saying you're you're asking what's good. It's the TV show. Oh, throw the ball away, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I haven't heard, I haven't seen that one yet. Is that a good horror movie, Tony? Oh, Jesus no! Christ. Rogers is dancing around in the fucking end zone, getting sacked almost before he throws the guy. Anyway, sorry, I apologize. People in the stands, he's throwing football bullets and they're hitting people in the face and killing them. Oh God! I, don't throw the ball away. The thing about horror, the thing about horror is there is no shortage of great horror stories out there that have never seen the light of day for a series or, or anything. Uh, I, I don't understand what the reluctance is from, from a, a movie studio standpoint of maybe take a chance on something other than, you know, you look at something like malevolence, which you and I despise Pat. Uh, and, I thought that was horrible. Yeah. And, and, and so you see kind of, I think, and that, that makes people gun shy when you take a shot on on a unrecognized franchise and it just fails that badly that I don't know if that's got some sort of effect on on studios saying you know I don't want to take a chance but there's so many good stories from so many well, authors I, I, out there I guess that's my thing is that did horror like and maybe it's just I'm old maybe I'm an old curmudgeon as we've talked about and and this is my you know horror was great in the 80s and early 90s and they're just I, I don't, well, I don't even know that I agree with that because I saw, you know, I thought The Ring was brilliant, you know, but that's an Asian horror flick. Um, the Grudge uh, Audition, which I think is one of the most low-key horrifying films ever, ever made. And that, again, came out of Japan, horror out of Korea, um, Funny Games, which came out, that's in the 90s. That was, I want to say Dutch was the original version before before it made its way over to the states? I guess Midsummer um, was a really good horror flick, but that's more along the lines of like the Wicker Man sort of storytelling. Um, I what was that other? There was another one, and uh, I'm gonna forget the name of it. Where it's like a possession movie, and it starred um, oh shit, um, Gabriel Byrne was in it made its debut on um i'm gonna have to look for it so but it's about like there's like this creepy little girl there's a dollhouse uh her mom is like feels like she's slowly going insane and it turns out like the son is the chosen vessel of this like demon there's like it's like a cult worshiping movie and your face tells me you have no idea what i'm referring to it sounds familiar i just couldn't tell you the name of it but let me pose this question to you when is the last time that an iconic horror character really came to the forefront i mean you look at like you talk about the 80s we had freddie we had jason we had Michael Myers in his heyday in the 80s. You know, you've got stuff like that. I mean, you could even stretch this out and say the tall guy from the Phantasm series was kind of iconic as well. Um, and then and Jigsaw. Then, yeah, I mean, Jigsaw. Sure. Um, Ghostface from Scream. OK, 
I'll, I'll grant you that. But Hereditary. Hereditary was the movie okay. I was trying to think. But I mean, that's I, I think that's what's missing from horror movies right now is that you can do these one offs that are really good, like, you know, along the lines of like Conjuring and stuff like that. But we're really missing that iconic character that you that is the stuff that you can wrap a franchise around, like like a Jason, like a Michael, like a like a Freddy. And we just haven't had that in. I mean, Candyman's the closest thing that I can think of recently, and that really doesn't count because it's two movies um it's cinema in general maybe Nothing penny, maybe penny pennywise but that's a retread you know well and pennywise is you know based out of a book and, and it's a finite story like they're not like stevie king does for for all his faults like outside of the children of the corn franchise which like he, he walks by in the rows like that's like a billion movies but that landed itself in b-movie hell and originated in the 1980s so maybe it's just that we're a couple of old men we love you know when we were you know in our 20s and 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 teens and, and those horror movies and that and that's kind of it but you could yeah say, i just you say that but i mean then you look at what they're doing with halloween which is it makes money we're gonna bring back scream because ghost well, sure, makes money yeah so i don't know if we're guess, curmudgeons yeah. or, or financially irresponsible i i don't know i just it seems like it's it's like you said. I feel like there could be some good stories to tell, and, and we're not we're not really getting them. And that I mean that could be me. Let us know on the bandwagon nerds Twitter feed what you think. Is there good horror out there, and what should the bandwagoners be watching? All right, last trailer this week in the trailer park. We've been hearing all about this Uncharted movie. We knew Tom Holland was going to be taking on the role of, I do believe the name is Nathan Drake. And I, and I say this because I have the Uncharted movies downloaded on my PlayStation as part of some promotional thing that they did, and I have yet to play a second of those games. I hear they're a lot of fun. Start with the second one. Start with the second one. But we got our first trailer uh, this week, and... I know Ray, and I kind of wish Ray was here, uh, was very excited about this trailer. Was like, I wasn't sure about whether or not I was going to see this, and now I was on board. Um, okay, here's my thing, and then I'm going to leave it at that. Every time I saw Tom Holland on the screen doing a stunt, I was like, oh, look, he's doing a Spider-Man pose. Oh, look, he's doing a Spider-Man jump. Oh, look, he's talking kind of like Peter Parker from Spider-Man. I am worried that I have completely given myself over to I only see Tom Holland as Spider-Man and that that might hurt my enjoyment of this movie. If you haven't played the games, that would be an easy assumption to make. Um, Tony, I know you and I have played the games. You probably played them more than I have. I, I went through quite a bit of the first one and of course the iconic opening scene of the second one. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought I felt like they captured kind of the essence of the Uncharted games pretty well, which is difficult to do with the movie. But to me, it had a James Bond meets Tomb Raider feel very much to it. And not that that's a bad thing, but um, I think, you know, that's the, the movie's got the potential to, I mean, it's hard because video game adaptations to the, to the, uh, to the movie screen never usually work out too well. There's a handful of them and this one's got the casting and, and it just feels like it's got the potential. Who's the other it's Tom Holland. And who's the other uh, main character? Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah, exactly. So Antonio Banderas is in it. Yep. It's got like, the it's right got, casting. It's got a really strong cast. Um, you know what? You know what did it for me? 
um, as far as the whole like Spider-Man shtick, the the falling out of the back of the plane thing, and he's like running his way up the fucking cargo boxes as they're trailing out the back. Straight from the game. That's yeah, that's part of the game I, though. I get it, but it's like, and here's the thing: is if it wasn't, that's, you could stop. You could stop after I get it. No, I, I'm trying to explain here. If any other actor but Tom Holland or Orlando Bloom is doing that, I honestly think I might look at that scene differently because I went Spider-Man, and if it would have been Orlando Bloom, Dave, where was I going to go? Uh, Lord of the Rings? Or, well, it, it, it's Legolas. Yeah. Run it. Where Le- Legolas, who ran up a falling fucking bridge in the shitty Hobbit movie. <laughs> He's, um, and skated down the tusk of a, a mastodon, too. Oliphant, excuse me. Oliphant, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things. That I know he's an elf, whatever. But I, I struggle in certain types of roles to see Orlando Bloom as anything other than, oh, look, it's the elf. Like Pirates of the Caribbean being the exception because they, I guess they happen so close to each other that it kind of like, okay, Will Turner. And he's still like, he's still doing like athletic deaf swordplay things. And now he's old and still doing swordplay. I don't even know what Orlando's blue. What is he doing? Is he even in anything right now? Does anybody know what Orlando Bloom's up to? You're trying to say the rose has lost its bloom? <laughs> but um, change. Maybe he's going to be in Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. Perhaps we get something out of that. Okay, so should I, as somebody who's kind of on the fence, like I'm the on the fence guy with this movie, what should I do? You should play the video game. You should play the second. You should play Uncharted 2, and then you should watch the movie. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's The beginning of of Uncharted 2 is one of the greatest beginnings to any video game of its type all time. You'll be like, holy fuck, that was the beginning. OMG. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is. And Dave knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because when I played it, and you downloaded it because PlayStation gave you that and they gave you the Uncharted series and the game Journey uh, when the pandemic hit because people were at home. Yep. They're like, here, here's something to do. These games aren't just like mindless things. You have to actually use your brain to get through these games. So, Patrick, I think y- you'll play the second game and then you'll end up playing the first and third one even before you go see the movie because I think it's the type of video game that you'll actually enjoy. Uh, you and the junior O'Dowd could actually tackle this together because someone's playing and someone's watching what's going on it you need to but you're you're basically trying to mine uh your way through the game so yeah it's it's a platformer with a tremendous story wrapped around it awesome and that's why it makes a great movie we talked about some of the series we watched that you watch like mandalorian we're like okay is the movie are they making a video game in making a movie with a video game in mind and we're here, this is a video game where, like, the story is so great, it just lends itself to a movie, like you said, Dave. Huge fan. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're looking at iconic video game opening scenes, Uncharted 2, Halo 2, those are the ones that jump right out at oh, me. Oh, for sure. Yep. Agreed. Great call. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Patrick O'Dowd has to play video games so that he can get on board with the Uncharted movie. We'll Shucks. see what happens yeah twist my arm i can't stand video games oh my god oh my god all right 
when we're we're now set up for our second commercial break, we are moving right along. This is looking to be a very efficient episode of Bandwagon Nerds. When we come back, we're going to go into some news around the nerdosphere. Before we go to our recorded commercial, I do want to remind you that if you love what we do here at thechairshot.com and the Chairshot Radio Network and you want to support us, the best way to do that is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and invest in a Chairshot shirt. We have all kinds of designs for you to choose from. Everything from sayings about the show, the sh- from the shows like Everybody Hates Craig, um, hashtag journalism, to the chair shot logo, to even the shirt of this very show you're listening to right here, Bandwagon Nerds. We've got all of those designs. They're great, great stuff. I myself recently acquired my edition of the bandwagon nerd shirt and i love it i spent the extra money to get it soft style because i wanted something feeling nice on my giblets but if you're not feeling fancy a shirt is only 19.99 with a little bit extra to get it done that soft style way it takes a lot for us to put together this this little network of ours this little engine that could and we appreciate all of the support because it allows us to continue to give you quality content every single day so please 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 head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and pick up an official chairshot.com t-shirt when we come back news around the nerdosphere you're listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network a part of the chairshot.com This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, gentlemen, it is now time for news around the Nerdosphere. We are going to kick off with an interesting little back-to-back pair of articles where Disney freaked everybody out, and then Kevin Feige was like, okay, everyone, just chill the F out. Let's take a breath. As Disney announced that they're going to be delaying a, a bunch of movies. Uh, and let's let's just go through it. So... The movies that are being delayed, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, was previously dated to be hitting March 25th, 2022. It's now been moved to May 6th, 2022. Thor, Love and Thunder, was previously dated for the May 6th, 2022 date, has now been moved to the July release date of July 8th, 2022. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, was originally uh, originally dated for the July 8th, 2022 date, has now been moved to 11-11-22, which that's kind of a fun release date. Uh, 11 plus 11 equals 22. There you go. They also announced that an untitled Indiana Jones movie, which we all know they're making and apparently involves time travel, was slated to release July 29th. It's now been moved 
a full, <laughs> almost a full <laughs> year. Is that why Harrison Ford's real-life uh, plane landings are so horrific? He's coming out of time travel? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't got I don't got good vibes on the untitled Indiana Jones movie, but it has been given basically an extra year to get itself worked out as it will be releasing on June 30th, 2023. An untitled Disney live-action movie was dated for July 14th, 2023, removed from schedule. The Marvels which was previously dated on 11-11-2022, has been moved to February 17th, 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which was previously dated for the February 17th, 2023, has now been moved to Indiana Jones' spot of seven, or no, not Indiana Jones' spot, um, has been moved to July 28th, 2023. Sorry, Indiana Jones was 2022. An untitled Marvel movie dated for October 2023 has been removed from the schedule entirely. An untitled Marvel movie dated for November 10th, 2023 has been moved to 11-3-2024, I hope. That's what that means. It says 11-3-2, which is a bad cut-and-paste job. And then an untitled 20th Century movie that was previously dated for October 20th, 2023 has been removed from the calendar. So that news comes out and everybody freaks out because what does it all mean? So Kevin Feige came out and basically said that the changes were due to production shifts and changes. The films were still releasing in specific slots allotted to Marvel all the Marvel slots, this is his quote, all the Marvel slots are the same. We're just shifting the movies coming out. And he pointed out, you know, that instead of there being three months between Marvel movies, there will now be five months. So he just talked about kind of expanding the gap a little bit. He did this interview with Variety, kind of calmed folks down. So it gives time for some reshoots. Give some times for some other stuff to be completed. Maybe maybe give you give you a little bit more leg room, a little bit more run, runway to complete things that you don't like. Dave, I'll start with you. Um, first, when the news initially came out, what was your reaction? And after Kevin Feige said, "Calm, calm the f down," did you in fact calm the f down? I was honestly never panicked to begin with, <laughs> to be honest with you, because I was just looking at when you look at the slate of what they had scheduled it just movie on top of movie on top of movie. I mean, even this year, you know, you're looking at what they've done since Black Widow hit Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, No Way Home, all that within six months. Um, and, and, you know, you look at people are like, you know, Kevin Feige's like, calm down and do this and do that. And you're just thinking, it's like, wow, people are really bitching about a, a couple month delay after what we just went through. And even if you go back before the pandemic, how long did we have to wait between Marvel movies back then? Right. And they were like, well, we, you maybe got two a year. All Black Widow forever, right? Yeah. Maybe you got two a year. So to me, it just seems like there's no, I mean, Marvel and Disney and Kevin Feige are like, we don't need to stack all this stuff on top of each other, especially when you consider we're interspersing. You know, we got Hawkeye coming out. We've got another series coming in here that's going to fill in the gap between these movies instead of just stacking everything on top of each other. I think it's it's just a, a kind of the pendulum kind of swinging back to the middle and, and, and Disney saying, 
you know what? Let's space this stuff out. We don't need to cra- we don't need to get everything out there to make up for the pandemic right away. That's probably not a good marketing strategy. Let's space this stuff out. I'm fine with it. You know, there is no shortage of stuff coming out. If you're really worried that you're going to have nothing to watch, then come over and, and hang out, be a guest host on Bandwagon Nerds and deal with our <laughs> drama on, an, on a weekly basis of trying to get through wow. everything. God. I can piggyback right off of you, Dave, because, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm almost glad there's a delay. There's so much streaming to for us to watch. Like, there's things I have my eye on that I'm not going to get to for maybe a year considering the the schedule we keep right with you throwing wrestling on top of that right so i i'm okay with it like you can slow the pace down as much as you'd like that's completely fine with me i as long hey say it every week right patrick as long as the story's good just get it to me when you get it to me so dave do you think that some of this like hysterica hysterica hysteria that we did see like in the in sort of the twitterverse reaction is just sort of a gross overreaction to all the previous delays absolutely that we heard about about other stuff absolutely it's people panicking because they think it they're reading something into it that there's not and it's not there oh they're delaying this because um there there's an issue with casting or there's an issue with production or or we can't get this movie out like we thought we would or we need to do reshoots no movies are pretty much done they're just spacing this out there's a financial aspect to it there's a strategic aspect to it i I mean there's no reason to shove six movies down your throat in one year that that just i mean at some point you get oversaturation and you don't want that you don't want people going and saying "Ah, i'm sick of this stuff this shit just came out two weeks ago so i i think i think it is a gross overreaction from a lot of people who don't really get this is why they're doing it And I want to echo the value of spacing some of these out and making these a little bit more anticipatory because one of the things I have seen in the land of the internet, which is already a toxic environment, and I'm impressed by how much Marvel has been able to kind of be Teflon, but there is this level of fatigue that I am starting to see, especially out of like a hardcore fan group. Uh, and some of it's hyperbolic from like directors saying stupid things about their pro- productions. For example, the director of the last Spider-Man movie uh, may have compared it to Endgame on some level, and people were like, "Yeah." But if you go back and you really read the quote, he's not comparing the movie to Endgame. He's saying that it's Peter Parker's Endgame, um, which, in that sense, kind of is with uh, with with the whole Sony MCU deal he, he and where that's the word like, Endgame. Yeah. Well, and and the, the 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 quote was intentional in doing it. But yeah, I think that you know, maybe yeah, creating some space and having like I liked when the Marvel schedule was very reliable that you had you had a March, you know, or you had a Marchish May slash, you know, you had that March through May movie, then you had July and then you had November. Boom, boom, boom. Three movies. It was like a old school 1980s WWE pay-per-view schedule. Get those, you had those three movies. Uh, and I do think, you know, people overreacting or like reshoots and stuff. Reshoots don't always equal bad, everyone. Uh, and and in, in some cases, this could, you know, gives it just gives, it gives the creators time. It is. And to, to kind of work that through. Here's so. something I wanted to run by. You said Doctor Strange got moved from March to May, right? Right. And, and we so know, we know. Spot. 
there's a very big movie that we talked about last week coming out in March called The Batman. So why would you really, although Marvel doesn't have to be scared about competing with Warner or DC or whoever, but at the same time, they're smart enough to say, Batman's probably going to be a big deal. Maybe we should move this back a little bit and just shift everything. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, you know, let's get away from the Batman and kind of put this out here when we know we can have a a, a just the spot to ourselves, the spotlight on our, our on our product. It's a mutually it's a mutually beneficial move when you really think about it. Like Absolutely. both companies win in that regard because they're both going to make a ton of cash. So yeah, nothing to worry about here, fans. If you're one of those people freaking out, don't freak out. It's going to be okay. You're still going to get your Marvel movies. They haven't cut any Marvel movie. Uh, I think the one production that's getting the most maligned, if there was one, is the Marvels. Uh, I think people are just really gun shy about the Marvels and, and about, you know, Brie Larson takes so much heat over over her portrayal of Carol Danvers. And I don't get it. Uh, and I hope that she gets some some real opportunities to shine as a character. And that's been the promise we've been made for this is that there's going to be a lot more examination into who Carol Danvers is in, in this next in this sequel. So in addition to all the characters that we're excited to see come up. The next story out there is a salt shaker ready little bit of rumor. And Dave, were you the one who shared this or was it Ray? I think it was me. That shared the story. I don't know if it was, it was one of us. <laughs> I don't know which one of so, us. So one of you, um, and I'm too late. Uh, you know, I got Twitter up here. Let's let's jump back into the messages. Hey, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. One of you replied that um or had sent out this article from blacksportsonline.com. So I'm already like, eh. well, I, I don't know. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to go back and look. But it, it speculates or that there is a rumor that a new Hulk solo movie may be coming. And let's see who is this the gww is actually the one who reports that and i don't even know what the gww stands for but the gww it was was me it was me oh the two two that you've got that we're talking about they both came from me on consecutive tweets has learned that a hulk movie is on the way and it is currently being called world war hulk yes we are finally Yes, we are. This is this tells you how reliable the source is, by the way. Yes, we are finally have a new solo Hulk film in active development at Marvel Studios. And we were told it is currently slated to start production in late 2022, likely following the events of the upcoming She-Hulk series on Disney Plus. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of it because it's more about like, you know, I it's, it's just not it's pointless one i'll let you were uh, i don't believe this rumor at all and i think it's fun to talk about um and there and there's a couple of reasons why i don't believe this rumor at all one we've already stolen imagery from the planet hulk slash um events that lead to world war hulk in thor ragnarok uh two to tell a world war hulk movie requires a lot of buildup and work ahead of it that I'm sorry, the She-Hulk series isn't going to do. 
So let's stop that. Uh, and three, you're already dealing with a, a, a big time multiversal storyline. You can't thrust the World War Hulk in there because of the devastation that it rots on Earth 616 in the Marvel Universe. Right. Just can't do it. Right. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't find a lot of credibility to this rumor, except for maybe the fact that the rights to Hulk may be reverting to Marvel uh, in Disney. Maybe sure. th- that that I could see, but to but it, that's the story you tell. No, it's not. And, and I think, and that's the thing is it's like, and we know that Marvel strays away from, from Canon and, and the source material fairly frequently. That's an awfully big deviation. And I don't know how you basically go from, like you were saying, we got to see Planet Hulk to some extent with Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he's already been back on Earth in Endgame, and he's been a big part of the end of Endgame. So how do you get to the how do you get to the point where he's back on Sakaar and deciding he's pissed off at Iron Man who's dead and Reed Richards who we haven't seen yet, and then you're going to bring him to Earth to basically get even with all these characters who are either dead or not introduced yet. So yeah, I, I don't see. World War Hulk, I, I, even if you try to explain it away in She-Hulk, that's not going to ma- make any difference. I, I think you could see a Hulk movie, but it's certainly not going to be this storyline. The right. only way I, the only oh, way I could see that, the, sorry, the only way I could see that happening is if it was like a one-off movie from like the second season of What If. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I doubt that. That's like I can connect the dots there at least. Right. It's it, it, there's just so much legwork. I like you have to you have to introduce the the concept of the Illuminati and the MCU, which they haven't done at all. Like the closest hint we've gotten to an Illuminati was actually the post credit scenes of Shang-Chi. And even that was Wong talking to Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers. Like that wasn't that wasn't even close to anything like that. The Illuminati make a make a, a decision for the planet we haven't been we haven't been introduced to namor we haven't been you know we haven't been introduced to reed richards as you said tony stark is dead we haven't been introduced to black bolt who is a member of the illuminati like we haven't been introduced to charles xavier who is a member of the illuminati there's just too many like there's all these floating pieces out there and you could make a different illuminati i'm not saying you couldn't do that but even if you make a new one, who's in that group out of the MCU? There's there's just not enough pieces there to do that part. And then you have to have Bruce Banner, this character, and the Hulk do something so egregious to warrant blasting him off world again. After Hulk willingly blasted itself off world, himself off world, because of the way he was he was betrayed by natasha basically so and then and then the aftermath because when hulk comes to earth he he gets his retribution he wipes shit out it's a big problem yeah ray ray made the post after that thing was posted he's like i have no desire to see this because it's basically hulk kills the mcu hulk kills the mcu and that's the end of the mcu and he he's got a point that you know and he was saying tongue-in-cheek at least saying why don't we just bring deadpool kills the marvel universe let's bring that storyline in there yeah the only way it works is like tony says if you go if marvel adopts a dc philosophy for a movie or two and says we're just going to throw this live action what if bullshit out there just for funsies and see how you like it 
which I don't think Marvel fans will gravitate towards that at all because they need their continuity. You know that. They really do. And yeah, it's just, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really make, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot, a lot of sense. So fans, I, I don't believe it. Um, I don't, I don't see it coming. Neither does the rest of the bandwagon. We are calling some heavy bullshit on this rumor. And if we're proven wrong, well, we'll be back on this podcast. I'm sure admitting that we were indeed not, correct but i'm not i'm not too worried about it all right so this next one as dave mentioned is another story that that he shared with us uh in our chat that that we keep going as we try to keep ourselves apprised on what's going on in the world and dave i'm actually going to hand it over to you to talk about to kind of kick this off because we got some updates uh regarding the green lantern series the one thing i will tell you i forgot who finn wolfhard was that's good. So did I. Um, but I, you know, the thing about this one, unlike the Hulk story, I tend to believe this one. This one sounds like something that HBO Max has got in the works. It's going to be grand in scope. It's going to be. Or sorry, Finn Wittrock. Wolvard is the kid from Stranger Things. Wittrock is the one who's playing Guy Gardner. Oh, yeah. I think we, they, we heard casting news about him a long time ago. But yeah, we yes. it, it had been quiet. On the Green Lantern front for quite a while, but the rumor is hot and heavy that they HBO Max is developing a a Green a Green Lantern series exclusively for HBO Max. Um, the showrunner is talking about that this thing is gonna. We don't know. We don't have a release date. We don't have any sort of estimate as to when it's coming. But just listening to what he says, um, that it's gonna be grand in scope. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic. Um, I I tend to have a feeling that this one probably has more credit, a lot more credibility than the planet, the world war Hulk story simply because green lantern has been very conspicuous by his absence in the DC EU. We haven't seen anything since 2000, what 11 when Ryan Reynolds did the, the live action hey, movie. That mistake. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and you've got, I mean, and he is clearly one of the most beloved characters in all the DC universe and one of the most powerful. And, there's been rumors. I, I know in the early days when they had superhero calendars, you know, the Green Lantern core movie was supposedly coming out in 2020 or 2022. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I, I tend to think that this one's got some credibility to it. Green Lantern seems like a a natural series when you look at what DC's done with the um, the whole Arrowverse. And now kind of you look at some of these other stuff, Doom Patrol, notably Titans, Young Justice. We know that's animated. I just I tend to think Green Lantern, the the Green Lantern Corps is a natural fit and a it would be a huge, huge boon to HBO Max to get a show like that on on there. And and, and I mean and the possibilities are endless. I and you know, I don't know what, what happens with the CW stuff, but a Green Lantern Flash, I mean I'm sure Tony's still listening in, a Green Lantern Flash crossover at some point, oh my god, that just seems too natural. They've got too much history with each other. So I, I tend to think this one's true. Um, I anxiously awaiting to see if we get more details about the show, but yeah, green lantern coming to HBO max or the green lantern core coming to HBO max. I, I think that that's, I'm high. I, I feel very confident that this one's on the level. Yeah, I do too. Um, give me, I, I, we know Patrick is not a DC guy 
and Patrick does has has his uh, knowledge of DC Comics is very very limited. Give me two Guy Gardner centric Green Lantern stories you'd like to see them tackle in a Green Lantern core series. God, I don't remember off the top of my head. I mean, I've always been a Hal Jordan. I, I tell you what, though, if, if they bring the Sinestro Core War to this series in season, like somewhere in series season one or season two, I think that's tailor made for a, a huge success. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to see Guy Gardner because he's got a lot of issues with Superman over the years. That's something I kind of would right. like would like to see them bring to the forefront because Guy's a, a different kind of green lantern that's for sure he's not like hal or or like john stewart or like kyle rayner or any of those guys so i would love to see you know i can't think of any real guy gardner centric stories that jump to jump to mind but uh anything involving the green lantern corps at this point in time would be would be fun and yeah i i my that's my biggest hope is like well if we're not doing a green lantern movie you could use the series to introduce the sinestro core war and that would be that would be a big hit for HBO Max, I think, if it's done right. Cool. All right. Well, we'll have to look and see if that's what we can pull off. All right. Last story in the Nerdosphere, I think, also shared by was this this one. I think was also shared by you, or maybe it was shared by Ray. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. Hollywood Reporter put out a new story on Friday, the twenty second. Reporting something that we already knew, I if I'm not mistaken, but that Hayden Christensen is reprising his role of Anakin Skywalker for Ahsoka, the latest Star Wars live action series from Lucasfilm and Disney Plus. Um, plot details are, are are quiet. We know the Dave Filoni is writing. We know John Favreau is is producing or is executive producer. Um, I can only assume this is a Force Ghost thing. Yeah, Ray, Ray uh, shared this assume, one. I can only assume that this is a redeemed Anakin, Force Ghost, coming back to Ahsoka after the events of Return of the Jedi, because that's where we that's where we've last seen Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tanel. Um, and I'm assuming that her character and her story is picking up from her her role in The Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't see how else you can do this. I mean, it's five years after Jedi. Anakin's gone. Vader's gone. It's got to be Anakin as a Force ghost guiding Ro- uh, Ahsoka Tano in her uh, pursuit of, we're assuming, Grand Admiral Thrawn. So I, I don't see any other way that makes any sense. I mean, maybe you get some flashbacks. Or something, or maybe they are going to bring her fight against Darth Vader from Rebels into a live action as a flashback. Now that would be kind of cool, but otherwise, sure. yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see any other way you can do it. I, it's interesting to me that as lukewarm as most of us were about Hayden Christensen's portrayal of Anakin, the Star Wars fans out there are all a buzz and all a Twitter about Hayden coming back and portraying this role. They are completely on board showing the power of nostalgia all the way here. But yeah, I, I think that, that I, I know we both had mentioned it when we saw this, it's gotta be a force ghost. Um, I don't see any other way this makes any sense. I was always a fan of Hayden Christensen and, and, and the role he already has played in star Wars. I think the, um, 
the analysis on how he's going to come back from you guys makes a lot of sense considering I think that's the last way we saw him as well like him not Darth Vader but now back as Anakin as a Jedi and um you know you've seen him in that blue kind of ghosty thing already so it makes a lot of sense uh <laughs> it's Star Wars man let's fucking do it <laughs> well what's interesting yeah. to me is like you know What'll be cool about it, though, is that we don't know if Ahsoka has any idea as to what Anakin Vader's fate was, uh, other than that he's gone. So that first time where he appears in front of her, if she doesn't know that he was redeemed by Luke, that's going to be a very tense uh, first meeting based on where they last saw each other, which was in Rebels. So that part, I'm very interested to see how they do that. Uh, whether Ahsoka knows that Luke redeemed his, his father, her former, um, you know, her former master. So that's going to be a fun part to see. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of meat on the bone there. It, and here's the thing is we're 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 doing what nerds do and, and be like, he's going to be this huge focal port and this big part of the, the show and all this, you know, like get out your pocket protectors, start being like, you know, he's going to be. Every single episode is going to be this huge. It could be one episode. It'd be like a one-off episode. Maybe two. Like, we don't know. Um, the fact that they're announcing it him in the show doesn't lend me to believe that. But it's definitely a thing that could happen. And I think it'd be hilarious. Like, we're, we're getting all amped up over Anakin Skywalker being in the Ahsoka Tano series. And, you know, he's like a force ghost once. Maybe twice. Yes. And that'd be that'd be so that'd be so on point. But uh yeah, I I'm good for Hayden Christensen, I think, honestly, at the end of the day. Like he would I remember him the things that he I really thought he did well uh, in that role, he he definitely had the the uh the conveyance of anger down to a T. I thought that some of his uh scenes with um when Natalie Portman lacked, uh, I think the nicest way to chemistry would be, would be the way that I would describe it. Um, because like they were just a lot of wooden acting between the two of them both. And they're both fine actors elsewhere. So that, um, that always surprised me and not necessarily just one of their fault that, you know, the script also had a, a bit to do with that as well. Anyway, there you have it, folks. News from around the Nerdosphere. Not a lot to cover this week. We're going to move into Patrick O'Dowd has a question. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is. <laughs> All right. So today I rediscovered a series. I really, really forgot how much I enjoyed. And um, I shared it in the I shared it in the chat. Uh, Netflix has this little mini documentary series called Explain. And it's kind of cool because they're they're like 15 to 25 minute long documentaries about like a specific topic. And they range all over the place from like. Today alone, I watched an episode on fairy tales to earthquakes, or not earthquakes, to hurricanes, to plastic surgery, to this one about time. And I remember 
as I was watching this episode, just my mind was really blown away by this like concept of what time could be and these all these different theories about you know everything already existing in this weird sort of three-dimensional mind and just completely like i did this to my kid i was like with the hands on the on the forehead and blue blue had except i had my mind blown by this 20 minute documentary that means that that made me be like man i gotta check out some other documentaries about about time and like like the concept of time travel and, and time and space, space time and all that. So my question to the two of you is, is there a piece of whether it's literature, novel, television, and it could be fiction, it could be nonfiction or otherwise, that the first time you watched it, the concepts involved or the show involved completely blew your mind? And what were those shows? <laughs> Tony's like, Jesus. I I will say this, that the movie Somewhere in Time and how they deal with the concept of time travel is something that I don't think I've seen done anywhere else since then. And I know, Pat, you've seen the movie as well. I, I don't know if Tony's seen it as well. The concept of, of hypnotizing yourself to believe that you could travel back in time and to have that actually manifest uh in some respect, but it, it kind of being this flimsy manifestation because he sees a fucking penny with the present date on it and it sucks him back to the present. Um, I, the first time, I, I mean, I sat there with people and we tried to like map out how did this whole thing work together? You know, how did, how did this timeline in this movie work? Cause she goes to him at the college and then he goes back in time, but how does he go back? How's her picture there? How it, it, it's a fascinating, the movie is obviously a love story, but there's something bigger going on with that movie, Robert Matheson wrote that he's a, you know, we talked horror authors earlier. Um, he's one of the more renowned ones and that's not really a horror movie, but it is a science fiction sort of thing. That's the one that jumps out to me immediately is like the first time I saw that. Yeah. Jane Seymour. Yeah. The love story. Yeah. Christopher Reeve. But the way they handle time travel in that movie, I, I've never seen anybody approach it that way since then. And that's the one that fir- the first thing that comes to my mind. Excellent. Mr. Tunney. Um, boy, the, as a young teenager listening to license to ill for the first time all the way through, um, as, as a little bit older teenager, getting a PlayStation and playing that all night when I first got it. Um, and then movie wise to come to mind, like uh cube, was just a awesome mind fuck of a of a kind of a horror thriller that I enjoyed and uh maybe it was just the time at which I watched it and the age I was and who I was with and what was going on but eyes wide shut was like whoa that was fucking crazy so there's 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 a there's a, there's a wide range of different uh you know media consumption there for you yeah, Kubrick will mess with anybody's head if you if you catch the right film. So a couple for me, definitely plot twists that, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Fight Club, the big reveal in Fight Club, and then was like, God damn it, I should have seen that coming. The Sixth Sense, also, same sort of deal. I remember being so into The Sixth Sense and did not know the twist until the twist happened. And it was like, that was really cleverly done. Uh, but the ultimate kind of mind blowing uh, experience for me is the the quest the twist slash cliff you are left at the end of this horror movie audition 
Um, and I've talked about it once already on this show, but I've never finished a movie and been so thoroughly confused and unsettled and wanting to know what the hell I just saw, whether it was real or not, or, or a premonition of what was to come until after I watched the movie audition. And I strongly recommend it. Uh, if you're squeamish, the last 20 minutes of that movie are not for you, but the, the payoff at the end and the twist, I love it. I ate it up and it blew my mind. All right, gentlemen. Can I, can I add a couple more that I just thought of listening you, to you? You have to be quick because I am on a calendar, I sir. Know. But yes. Um, the Matrix is one that gets you actually thinking when it's all done. And the what's in the box scene from Seven, the way they just flip that fucking thing around on you. Um, that's Those are a couple other ones that just listening to you guys talk, jump to the forefront for me. Lost Excellent. Highway. Lost Highway. Yeah. <laughs> that There's some good stuff out there, guys. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Before we get out of here, everybody, why don't we tell folks where they can find you on the socials? Dave went first last week, so this week we will kick it off with PC Tony. Follow me at PC Tony on Twitter, Facebook, and continue to listen to everything Chairshot Radio Network, streaming on whatever is your favorite platform. And don't forget to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always. Use your head with attitude, bitch. You can find me on Twitter at I told you the Packers had nothing to worry about, Tony. Uh, I wasn't worried. (laughs) Felt a lot like last week. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Um, Yeah, I need a real football team. Aaron Rodgers still owns us. I get it. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Also, make sure that you follow Bandwagon Nerds at Bandwagon Nerds. Easy to remember, easy to follow. Trying to keep some good content out there up for you every day. As I said before, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now, get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. And, hey, go watch some mind-bending, mind-blowing movies television shows they're all out there great stuff thank you for listening to this week's edition of bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network part of the chair shot.com
You're with him! You brought him here to kill me! No! Let her go, Anakin! Let her go! <gasps> You thunder against me! You have done that yourself! You will not take her from me! Your anger and your lust for power have already done that. You have allowed this Dark Lord to twist your mind until now... Until now you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. Don't lecture me, Obi-Wan. I see through the lies of the Jedi. I do not fear the dark side as you do. I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire? Don't make me kill you. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. You will try.